It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And joining us now is Lindsay Chervinsky. She is a senior fellow. Uh, she works with the Center for Presidential History, uh, SMU professional lecturer, and is there at George Washington University. Uh, so great to have you here. What a perfect day uh, to have you here, Lindsay. Thank you so much for joining us, Professor. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be able to talk about Washington on President's Day. You know, by the way, um, we were uh, amongst ourselves. There's this list of 110 rules of civility uh, that George Washington (laughs) sort of put together. There's some great ones in here. One of the ones is uh, uh, no reproachful language. Don't revile your competitor. I'm thinking like, boy, has that been thrown out of the window? Um, But he had some he really set the standard for ethics and morals. Tell us why he probably was uh, him and Lincoln. Uh, obviously, I think uh, two of our greatest ever. Yeah, I would definitely put him up there. I think it's hard for us to imagine today because we know how history has actually worked out. But when the country was being created and during the Revolutionary War and then the Constitutional Convention and when he became the first president, they didn't know how it was going to pan out. And they didn't know if this grand experiment was going to succeed or was going to fail. And so every single decision that he made was really stacked with so much responsibility and tension and fear that if he made a wrong choice, it was going to fail. And he knew that he was really at several moments, the only person that could hold that role. So for example, during the war, Congress called the army Washington's army because they knew that if he left, so too would the soldiers. And during the Constitutional Convention, everyone knew that if he wasn't there, it was going to fail. And when they elected the first president, everyone knew he was going to be that first president because there was literally no one else that could hold the nation together. I mean, and I I understand you've got some great stories, too, of his time. Tell us some of your favorite stories. Well, one of my favorite stories actually comes after his presidency, and I think that it really shows his sense of humor, but also his humanity in a way that is sometimes forgotten when we just look at the marble bust. So in 1798, he really wanted John Marshall to run for Congress. And this is, of course, future Supreme Court Chief Justice John Marshall. And John Marshall didn't want to. And so Washington invited him to come visit Mount Vernon and put on like a three-day full press attempt to try and get him to say yes. And Marshall said no, and Marshall said no, because he didn't want to be involved in politics. And they went to this event. And so and Marshall was kind of like trying to get away from Washington. So he was trying to socialize with other people because he knew he could only say no so many times to Washington. And so the next morning, he planned to leave on the third day. And he thought that he would get up early and sneak out so that Washington wouldn't be able to confront him. And he walked downstairs and standing there in the entry hall at Mount Vernon was George Washington in full military regalia, including his dress sword, basically reminding Marshall that he had been his commander in chief and he was demanding that Marshall run and finally Marshall caved and said yes. And I just think it's so funny because he could be so much more manipulative than we give him credit for. Yeah, really interesting. By the way, uh, since uh, Biden's in Poland, tell the story also, you know, Casimir Pulaski, a great Pole, saved George Washington's life. A lot of people don't realize that. Yeah, I think one of the things that we also forget about the early republic and and the Revolutionary War in general is that it really was an interconnected world. Both the revolution was an international effort. There were soldiers and officers that had come from all over the country and including one of 
Washington's favorites in the Marquis de Lafayette. There were Polish officers. One of the best um, officers. Sounds like the Ukraine. To, yeah, it's true. It's really true. And uh, one of the best officers to drill the soldiers was a Prussian officer. So these connections, I think, were really essential and kind of a timeless revolutionary spirit. Now, I don't want to put you on the spot uh, politically, but how do you think George Washington would look at what's going on today? Well, I think there are some things that would seem to him to be sort of just a regular part of the human condition. Occasionally, he could be pessimistic about his fellow man. But I think he would be disappointed that Americans are allowing the things that they have that are different from each other to drive wedges between us. He would remind us that we have way more in common than we have different. And whether that's partisan divide or loyalties with foreign nations or you name it, geographical location, he would remind us that we are much better together than we are apart. And if we forget that, it will be at our peril. I know this morning we put on the WABC website uh, the Washington's uh, uh, standards. Uh, what was yeah, it? It's, uh, yeah, it's the 110 rules of civility that guided him. And um, what, Pete, you had a funny one. We were talking about some of, one of the funny ones that he said in uh, a civilian. We're going to put Pete uh, King's Highway on the spot here. Yeah, as far as uh, avoid touching people in inappropriate places. <laughs> <laughs> And you wouldn't think that that would need to be something the president would be told. But if we remember that Washington was basically making a copy for these when he was a 14 year old boy, maybe that that is a better reminder when we think of that age than perhaps an adult. Dr. Shavinsky, it's uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. The other thing that Washington and Madison worried about was the danger of factionalism, a divided country and national unity was absolutely essential and common shared values was essential. And both Washington understood that. And Abraham Lincoln understood that as well. What are your comments? Yeah, and I think that they had they had both very sort of ideological reasons for believing that, but concrete versions for believing that as well. And they made those arguments on both terms. So, for example, in his farewell address, Washington reminded Americans that, for example, uh, Westerners really needed the, the East Coast because they needed ports to be able to sell their goods. And the more Atlantic seaboard region needed the Western territories for supplies and food and grain. So there were real economic reasons to try and retain these ties and these connections between different sections. But also we are we are privileged as a nation in a way that few nations are and that we have two neighboring countries that are incredibly friendly. And then we have two giant oceans. And so the only thing that can really tear us apart is ourselves. And I think that was something that both Washington and Lincoln were really concerned about and remains one of our greatest threats. Well, happy George Washington's birthday. That was great. Uh, yeah, Thank really you so much for uh, bringing it to light. Yeah, very fascinating. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Really great stuff. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.